so good to be here. Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2. We'll continue our journey, as I like to say, through the book of Colossians tonight. And tonight we'll be looking at verse 15, but I'd like to read the context of the verse upward. We're going to go to verse 6 and read to verse 15. The name of the message is, All Our Enemies Vanquished. All Our Enemies Vanquished. I hope it's a blessing. It was a blessing to put this together today and to see this marvelous, triumphant, victorious Savior that we have, the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6, and we'll go to verse 15. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hand in the putting off of the body and the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So last week we looked at the debt that was against us. Remember the debt and how it was a debt, a debt we could never pay. In the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that condemned us, that said guilty is charged, was blotted out at Calvary's cross, wiped away as one when one wipes the chalkboard. Once you wipe off whatever's on that chalkboard, you never see it again. My goodness. That's enough to make us shout, isn't it? <laughs> oh, and the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Remember, we looked into the Greek, and, and one of the underlying meanings was it's been obliterated. It's been obliterated by the death of Christ upon the cross. The believer is washed clean by the precious blood of Christ. Washed clean. And the believer has all their trespasses. The believer in Christ has all their trespasses and all their sins forgiven. Every one of them. 
And it's all in and through and by the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Colossians 2, 13 and 14, beloved, and may we rejoice in this. And you. So Paul's writing to the Colossian believers. He's writing to the saints of God, those who were chosen by God in eternity, those who Christ has redeemed with his own precious blood. And you. And this is even to us. We who believe tonight. This is written to all believers of all the ages. All who are born again of the Holy Spirit of God. And you, being dead in your sins, that was our natural state, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him. We're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Heaven forgiven you all trespasses, beloved. There's nothing left. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. The very writings that said guilty is charged. Obliterating that. My goodness. That was against us and they were against us. Which was contrary to us and took it out of the way. Nailing it to his cross. And here before us in these three verses... 13, 14, and 15. Look at this. Here we have three important acts in which God grants to his children the joy of salvation. The joy of salvation. The three being, number one, in verse 13, the forgiveness of sins, which is by the death of Christ and him shedding his precious blood for our sins, for the remission of our sins. Number two, the setting aside of the law. Because this our Lord did in our place by his death upon the cross in verse 14. And the death of Christ was a substitutionary death and his life was a substitutionary life fulfilling all that the law of God demanded for sinners like you and me, for his people. And then the third, the third The third important act in which God grants joy to his children, the joy of salvation, is in number three, is in in our verse tonight. It's the disarming of princes and principalities and powers by the death of Christ. All our enemies have been vanquished at the cross. He is a triumphant king. Look at verse 15. In heaven spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He's he's a conqueror. He's victorious. He's a successful Savior. Do you see the whole difference between the God we believe in and the Savior we believe in compared to religion? My. And he did it all by himself. All by himself. So let us consider these three things, the forgiveness of sins, that, that, that bring joy to the, to the child of God in the joy of their salvation. The, the forgiveness of sins in verse 13, the setting inside of the law or the fulfilling of the law by Christ for us and the disarming of principalities and powers by the death of Christ in the fact that all our enemies have been vanquished at the cross. Now let us consider this. And let us pray that God the Holy Spirit would teach us about our great victor, our great king, our great redeemer, 
the one who himself triumphed over principalities and powers on Calvary's cross, and he did it by his death. That Remember, he willingly went there. And it is only found, this victory over our enemies is only found by the, in the death of Christ and in him alone. Now, who are these spoken of in our verses as principalities and powers? Turn, if you would, to verse 16 of chapter 1. Verse 16 of chapter 1. I'll have you turn to a couple different places here. Look at verse 16. And this, these, these scriptures will identify who they are and what they are. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Now turn, if you would, over to 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. So the verse that we just looked at speaks of angels and powers in this world. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. In whom the God, little g, of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. And this is speaking of Satan. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So turn over one more place to Ephesians chapter 6. The God of this world that we just looked at speaks of Satan, the devil, who has blinded the mind of unbelievers. And remember, we've been translated from the, the, translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. Look at Ephesians 6. Paul is here speaking about the armor of God. And look where he starts, verse 10 to 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the, dark, rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and heaven done all to stand. So the principalities and powers spoken of in verse 15 is Satan and the fallen angels. And we see that from Scripture, measuring Scripture with Scripture. We've identified the principality spoken of in our text as the devil and his, and his fallen angels. So let's go back to our text in Colossians 2.15. And it says, In heaven spoiled principalities and powers. We'll look at the, the, the beginning of the verse in the middle of it here. In having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ, by his death upon Calvary's cross, has obtained a glorious victory. He's obtained a glorious victory by triumphing over the powers of darkness. Now, in religion... I remember 
thinking this way and even speaking this way and it was foolishness. But in religion, if you listen to people, Satan has more power than God. That's not what the Bible says. Our king is dry. And he always was sovereign. And he still is sovereign. This is his creation. This is his world. The devil and the angels are his creations. He's the creator. And we're all creatures. He's king. But here... In our verse, he made a show of these, the powers of darkness, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And the curse of the law was against us. The power of Satan was against us. The justice of God was against us. Our own sins were against us. But Christ Jesus, our Lord, He's triumphed over principalities and powers. He's triumphed over the curse of the law being made a curse for us. He's fulfilled the law and justice of God and turned away God's wrath from us, extinguishing it by His perfect sacrifice, the sacrifice of Himself. And in Christ, all the believer, the believer, all the believers in Christ have all their sins forgiven. He's triumphed over our sins. My goodness. What a God. He's redeemed His people out of the justice and law of God which demanded Death for us. And our Savior dies in our room instead. And by his death we see here in our text, he, he alone, the Lord Jesus Christ, beloved, he's led captivity captive. The devil and all the power, powers of hell were conquered. Our sins were conquered. The law fulfilled. The wrath of God turned away from us. My, what a Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ has led captivity captive. The devil and all the powers of hell were conquered and disarmed by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. This was spoke of way back in the garden. This was spoken of in Genesis chapter 3, that this would occur, that the Lord would triumph over Satan. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, 
and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is speaking of Christ. So let's go back to our text, and we see this fulfilled. We see what was prophesied in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, fulfilled in Colossians 2.15 here. We see it was fulfilled at Calvary's cross. In heaven spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. What a great sight we have before us tonight in this verse. The Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, has conquered the devil and all the powers of hell. His crown of thorns, one commentator said this, I had to add this in. His crown of thorns has turned into a crown of laurels. When the Roman generals were in a triumph, they wore a crown of laurels. His crown of thorns has been turned into a crown of laurels. Which the triumph, as I said, Roman generals would wear in their triumphs. Now when a Roman emperor, emperor general won a victory against his foes, he rode through the streets in a four-horse chariot. And the captive kings and warriors stripped of all their armor and their hands tied behind their back in chains walked exposed to public shame and disgrace. Beloved, Christ has disarmed all the principalities and powers which were against us. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? Can anyone condemn God's children? Can anyone condemn God's elect whom he purchased with his own precious blood? Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. The Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, has made an open show of principalities and powers. Beloved, he spoiled them. He broke their power. He has conquered them and made a show of them openly to angels and to men. He's a victor. He's a great king. He's a great conqueror. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. And then put your finger in Luke chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 2. In Luke chapter 11. Now again, our verse, it just, it just proclaims this great victory. In heaven spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Never had the devil's kingdom such a mortal blow given to it as was given by the Lord Jesus Christ when he died upon the cross. It was a mortal, mortal blow. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, 
he also himself likewise took part of the same. He became a man. God became a man. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of, of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now turn over to Luke chapter 11 if you would. The Lord Jesus Christ by shedding his blood has ransomed his people. He's purchased his people. He's, he's ransomed his people from, from he who was stronger than they were. Look at Luke chapter 11 verses 14 to 23. And he was casting out a devil and it was dumb. And it came to pass, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. But some of them said, He casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others, tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. But knowing their thoughts, see, he's God. He knows what they're thinking. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say, I, I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges." But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come unto you. And it is. But look what he says in the 21. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace. Now the strong man there, every commentator identifies as the devil. He's the strong man mentioned there. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. He strips him of all his weapons and his armor. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. Look at, look at verse 22 again. But when a stronger than he has come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. Now go back to our verse in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ has done this to Satan. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He was the stronger, the one that he spoke of, but when a stronger than he shall come. That's Christ. You see the, the fallacy when religious people talk about Satan like he's, like he's sovereign? He's not. Do you know, I remember hearing a grace preacher say this, and when I came out of religion... I'd never heard anyone say this. He said, you know, God, you know, Satan is God the devil. 
he can only do what he allows. I had never heard nothing like that before. I but, you know, as a grace believer, I believe it. Yeah, because my God's sovereign. He's in full control. Everything is under Christ. He's God. Do you remember in the book of Job, even in the Old Testament, Satan had to come and ask permission to do what to Job what he did? He can only do what God allows. And God said, you can do this to him, but you can't take his soul. Beloved, our God is sovereign. He's a great king. The Lord Jesus Christ has taken the prey out of the hands of the strong men. And we were the prey. He has bruised the serpent's head, just like was prophesied in Genesis. He's demolished his works. He's disarmed him. Just like the scripture in Luke says, Take it from him all his armor, wherein he trusted. He crushed his power and defeated all his schemes and designs against God's elect. And let us always remember this, beloved, that he did this by himself. He did this by, he trod the wine press alone. He was the one who, who the, the wrath and justice of God fell upon. <coughs> and of, of the people, there were none with him. And Christ has triumphed over his foes, beloved. He's triumphed over his foes, and he's triumphed over our foes. Christ hath prevailed. He's prevailed. So let's look at the latter part again of this verse, which I've already hit upon a little bit, the fact that our Lord has triumphed over his enemies. He's triumphed over them. Look at the latter part. We'll read the whole verse, but we'll focus on triumphing over them in it. And having spoiled principalities and powers... That's the devil and the, and, and the fallen angels. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And the triumphing over them in it is, is that he triumphed over them at the cross. And here before us, in the latter part of the text, our text proclaims what Christ has done to the principalities and powers. Again, he made an open show of them, both before men and angels. Now, before we get too cocky, we're no match for the devil. <laughs> but our great king, our great God and king, he's conquered him. He's triumphed over him. Oh my. Oh my. He's triumphed over him. He's made an open show of him before men and angels and the fact that he's triumphed over them by his death upon the cross. And Paul is here alluding to the Roman triumph and how a general, which is again being honored, who's won a great battle against the enemies of his country, would once again strip his enemies of all their weapons and all their armor. And the leaders and the soldiers would serve with with, with the conquered enemy. They are, they are chained up and made to walk in shame along with the conquering general with their hands chained behind their back and it exposed them to... They were, they were 
screamed at, and, and then they were taken at the very end of the triumph, and they were slaughtered. Beloved of God, our Lord Jesus Christ has conquered over, over the devil and his angels. He's conquered over, again, Satan, the evil forces of darkness. He's conquered over sin. He's even conquered over the consequences of sin. He's conquered over hell. He's conquered over death. They were all defeated by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And our great Lord has vanquished all our enemies by His death upon the cross. And He's vanquished all His enemies by His death upon the cross. Psalm 68 verse 18 says this, Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. And Paul confirms that Christ is the fulfillment of that prophecy in Psalm 68:18 by saying this about Christ. In Ephesians 4, 8 and 10, it says, Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fulfill all things. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, beloved. Victorious. He's vanquished his enemies. Oh my. And let us always remember that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was not a helpless victim. As some people like to portray him. He was not a helpless victim. Brother Chad, he willingly went to the cross to die for your sins. It's amazing. It's incredible. Brother Noel, he willingly shed his blood to redeem you from all your sins. It's, he, he, he's a willing Savior. He willingly goes to the cross to purchase every single one of his people. He's not a helpless victim who was trying to set up his kingdom on this earth. I remember when I was in religion and I used to believe this garbage. And that's what it is. I used to believe that Christ came down and since the Jews rejected him, because, oh, if they hadn't rejected him, you know, then, then it would have ushered in the kingdom. And I believe that because I believe the person who was teaching it, but it was me believing what he was teaching. But that's doctrines of man. And I used to believe that God, well, he was the plan B then, and now the Gentiles are being ushered in. And that's what millions of folks believe. But our God is not like that. The God of the Scriptures had one plan. He 
He's had this one plan from eternity. And if you're a believer, you were included in that plan from eternity. Because that plan is all wrapped up in Christ. And so are His people. One plan which was purposed by God before time began. Before time even began. And absolutely no one nor anything can alter or change what God has purposed. He does, beloved, as He pleases. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And He doeth according to His will. Man likes to boast about will. There is one will in this, this whole, you know, our wills are bound to our nature. God's the only one with free will. I remember hearing Donnie say, I believe in free will, the free will of God. That's so true. He's the only one with free will. We make choices based upon our nature. And he does, he doth according to his will. Where does he do this? In the army of heaven? So in heaven and everything that has to do, all the things we see and all the things we don't see. And among the inhabitants of the earth. So that means he does his will. Among the inhabitants of the earth. And none. And none. Not man's supposed free will. Not man praying a prayer. Not some false preacher popping off. And none. None. N-O-N-E. None. Can stay his hand. Or say unto him, What doest thou? None. Rejoice, beloved. This is our God. This is our God. This is our Savior. I had a guy come in today. Come to visit me. One of the guys. And we had a little discussion about... He talked about... Someone he knew was one of them eternal security guys. Well, there ain't no other salvation but a salvation that's eternal. So needless to say, we had a little discussion about it. Salvation's of the Lord, beloved. None can stay his hand. These people that say God's done all he can do. Now the rest is up to you. I ask you, is that not stay in God's hand? So we know from Scripture, that's a lie. 
none can stay his hand. Beloved, our God, our Lord and Savior, when he went to Calvary's cross, no one was going to stay his hand and his purpose. None. He is a successful redeemer, a victorious conqueror. None can stay his hand. Our Lord and Savior is not a weak deity who is trying to save his people but is unable to do so because they won't let him. No, no, beloved. Our God is sovereign. Our God is sovereign. He's always, he's always been in control of everything. He's always been in control of everything. He's still in control of everything. And in eternity, he'll be in control of everything. He's always worked. He's always, and let us remember this. Brother, you said it, it, it through the good times and the bad, right? He's always worked all things after the counsel of his own will. Now, in our life, things may seem good, things may seem bad. But for God's people, he's always working things for our good. But remember, no matter what we see, no matter even what happens after the next election, right? He always works things after the counsel of his own will. And beloved, he always will work things after the counsel of his will. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Look at verses 22 to 27. Acts 22, verses 22 to 27. And let us remember that our God, he doesn't change. He's immutable. He never changes. He never changes. He's always the same. Scripture declares yesterday, today, and forever. And as I said, all things, he's working all things after the counsel of his own will. Look at Acts 2, verses 22 to 27. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by, by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him, meaning Christ, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Ye have taken in by wicked hands, have crucified and slain. So scripture declares right there before us that Christ was crucified according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. See, he does, he, it's not plan B. <laughs> the crucifixion was all part of the counsel of his will. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed away the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. 
See, David's, David's rest was Christ. Now, in our, on our own, we'll be moved, won't we? But when we rest in Christ, he, he not be, we'll not be moved in Christ when we look to him. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Our hope. Who, who's the one we hope in? Christ. We rest in hope. We rest in Christ, in him alone. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And that was speaking of Christ. He was God. God rose him from the grave to show that he was satisfied, satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. And so our, our God does not change, beloved. He has always worked all things, always has worked all things after the counsel of His own will. All things. That's that's why after the Lord saves you, history takes on a whole new meaning. Because you start to read history and you're like, wow, all this was happening for a reason. that I don't know why, but, but it all happens according to the counsel of his will. Because if it didn't, then he's not sovereign. But our God's sovereign. He's absolutely sovereign. And this is our king. This is our Lord who went to Calvary's cross willingly, knowing exactly what he, what he had to do. He must redeem his people from their sins. And he did it, praise God. He did it. He did it. God was manifest in the flesh. The eternal, everlasting God became a man. The Lord Jesus Christ and in Christ all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. Look at verse 9. For in him, Colossians 2, 9. For in him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. His attributes di- didn't change. Christ the God-man. And in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. It proclaims to us that the one who in verse 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the God that died on Calvary's cross and rose again from the grave and he spoiled principalities and powers, beloved. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them by his death and by his resurrection. Look at verse 15 again. In heaven spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now let us remember that God has quickened us. It's God who's done this. We're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We could not make ourselves alive. But we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And he has come to us. God has given us an understanding. Our understanding was darkened. We had no no clue about the things of God. We didn't know him. We didn't know Christ. And he's, he's been pleased to reveal himself to his people. God has been pleased to reveal Christ to us. To us. 
He's enlightened us. He's given us an understanding. Remember, Scripture says there's none that understand. Well, God's people are given an understanding of who God is, of who Christ is, who is God incarnate in the flesh, of what Christ has done for, for his people. And, and what happens when we grow in grace? We just keep looking. We just keep looking to Christ. And we're in, I, I know it's so for y'all too. Aren't you more in awe of Christ now than you were five years ago? However long the Lord saved you. Think about that. Think about it. Has he not just grown in majesty before your eyes as, as, as you grow in grace? It's marvelous. He's amazing. Oh, what a great God. And he's revealed all that to us. He's revealed. He's revealed himself to us, to his people. God has revealed himself to us in Christ. In Christ. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Who is God incarnate in the flesh? Oh my. And our text before us proclaims that the Lord Jesus Christ is our conquering captain. He's, our, he's a conquering redeemer. He's a conquering savior who's defeated his enemies and our enemies. In heaven spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Oh my. He can say to Satan, the strong man, who holds us by his power, loose him and let him go. And Satan must release his hold upon us. He must. The prince of darkness must flee when God commands the light to shine in our hearts. Go over to Colossians chapter 1. Look at this in Colossians chapter 1. We looked at this in our study of chapter 1, but I, I think it's very pertinent for this verse. Colossians 1 verses 12 to 14. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet. Remember that's qualified us? Qualified us, made us qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath delivered us from what? The power of darkness. That's what we were under, beloved. That's what we came into this world under. The power of darkness. And it translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Oh my, who did this? Who did this for us? God! <laughs> By His power in Christ. Oh my. In whom, being Christ, we have redemption. Oh. Forgiveness of sins, beloved. In whom we have redemption through His blood. Oh, through the shedding of His precious blood. God's blood on Calvary's cross. Even the forgiveness of sins. Oh, the Lord Jesus Christ has perfectly honored God's law for His people. Perfectly honored it. He's fulfilled the last demands of the law by laying down His life for us. And Christ sets us free from the bondage of the law, from the curse of the law, and from the dead letter of the law. Our Lord Jesus Christ has delivered us from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter, Romans 7, 6. Our Lord 
Our Lord Jesus Christ has the right and power to set us free. And that's exactly what He does. That's exactly what He does. He sets the captives free. This is the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the good news of the gospel that Christ has redeemed His people from their sins. He's redeemed His chosen people. He's purchased them with His own precious blood. We are not our own. We are not our own. We are not our own. As Christ has purchased us. And on Calvary's cross, all our sins were paid for. And all our enemies were vanquished. Who shall bring any charge to God's life? Who? I remember hearing Henry again. And I've mentioned this before, but it's worth bringing up again. He said, he said, there be no judgment for God's people. And how do we know that? Because Scripture declares, who shall bring any charge to God's life? If we could be bought into judgment, then there'd be a charge against us. But there's no charge against us because Christ justified us. This is wonderful. This is, this is good news. This is good news. Good news for this sinner. I'll tell you what. I don't deserve this. Not at all. We don't deserve this mercy, this grace, but God bestows it upon his people. Those very people that he chose according to the purpose of his will in eternity. And and his hand will not be stayed. He shall save his people from their sins and he's done it and he shall get every one of his sheep, beloved. Oh, and don't forget, we don't know who his sheep are. That's why we pray for our loved ones, don't we? Who don't know him. And we'll keep praying until they breathe their last breath. Oh my. God has quickened us. God has quickened us when we were dead. God has forgiven us all our trespasses. God has redeemed us. The Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate in the flesh. He purchased us. And He has vanquished all our enemies. Now think of this, beloved. What comfort and strength this brings us tonight, but what comfort and strength this would bring the Colossian believers too. The Colossian believers are in conflict with false teachers who are telling them that they must do something to be saved. That they must do something to be saved. That they must have a secret knowledge, to have a deeper understanding of who God is. And Paul in these three verses that we just looked at, Oh boy, what great comfort for God's people. It's all in Christ. You see how he's just building and building and building upon the, the supremacy of Christ and the all sufficiency of Christ. No hope in the flesh. No hope in the flesh. We only hope in Christ and Him alone. And in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the forgiveness of all our sins. All. We have the forgiveness of all our trespasses. In Christ Jesus our Lord, the law has been fulfilled. The handwriting of ordinances that was against us has been blotted out. In Christ Jesus, all our foes, all our enemies have been conquered. And our great captain, our great Lord, our great king 
is the conqueror. He's the conqueror. He's the conqueror. And beloved, he's reigning right now. Right this second, in the next second, in the next second after that. All into eternity. Oh my. He's the victor. May we as believers rest and repose in this. May we just rest and repose in Christ and Him alone. Our wonderful Savior. Our wonderful Redeemer. Our wonderful God. The God of our salvation. May He be exalted. May God be magnified. Eh? May, may He receive all the glory. Because He's worthy of it. Eh? We saw that tonight. We, saw that, we see that in every single message. He's worthy of all the glory. He's worthy of all the honor. He's the one who's done all the things we've looked at tonight for us. And he's done it by his own power. What a great God. Oh, brethren, let us magnify our Lord and Savior. May we praise his name. He's the all-sufficient Savior. He's the supreme one. He's Lord of Lords, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before Thy throne. Oh, so thankful. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful. We who believe are so thankful for what You've done for us. All our trespasses and sins are forgiven by the shedding of Your precious blood. By by you fulfilling the law for us in our room and place. All the, all the claims that the law had upon us are blotted out. Oh Lord, may we just marvel at this. And all our enemies have been vanquished. You are a conquering king. And you protect your people. And watch over your people. Oh, may we be quick to give you all the glory. And we love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us.